KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. NASA wants to take a closer look at Venus. Two new missions to explore and learn about the planet have been selected, and it's hoped they will come to fruition by the end of the decade. We wanted to learn all about Da Vinci and Veritas, so we reached out to Dr. Eric Jensen, professor of astronomy at Swarthmore College, to talk about the hopes for these missions and why Venus seems to be having a moment right now when it comes to attention from scientists. Give a listen. So talk to me a little bit about these NASA missions. There are two that have been announced that are in the pipeline. Uh, Let's start with, I think one's called Da Vinci. What are they looking for here? So both of these missions broadly are looking to to really just understand more about Venus. And I'll talk in a little bit about sort of what about Venus we want to understand. But the, the Da Vinci one in particular is looking to measure properties of Venus's atmosphere more precisely. And so it's got two parts to it. One is going to go into orbit around Venus and we'll stay in orbit and make some measurements from orbit. The other one is going to release a probe that will descend down through Venus's atmosphere and measure some of the properties of the the atmosphere. That's a lot harder for Venus than it is for something like Mars because Venus is completely covered with clouds. If you've ever looked at visible light pictures of Venus, all you see are the cloud tops. And so we know a fair amount about the upper atmosphere of Venus, but we really don't know a whole lot about the the main part of the atmosphere of Venus nearer the surface. Uh, Venus is super hot. The pressure is really, really high. So if you're on the surface of Venus, it's something like 900 degrees Fahrenheit. The atmospheric pressure is like 100 times, 90 times what it is on Earth. And so um, going way back, there have been just a couple missions that have landed on the surface of Venus. Back in the 70s, um, the Soviet Union had a couple of probes that landed on the surface, but they only lasted about an hour before they failed due to the high heat and high pressure. And even this probe that descends through the atmosphere, it's going to make measurements as it goes um, and descend for probably about an hour, but there's not the anticipation, as far as I can tell, that it's going to last longer than that. You know, sort of as it goes down through the layers of the atmosphere, it'll measure the properties and it'll radio that back up to the orbiting satellite and that'll be it. So that mission is, uh, is designed primarily to probe the atmosphere. And then the other one, I believe, is called Veritas? That's right. And so that one is all is completely working from orbit. And so that will be able to to orbit around Venus and to to map the surface. Now, I just told you that it's hard to, to see the surface. So it uses radar. So in visible light, you can't see the surface at all. But if you use radio waves, then you can see through the clouds and map the surface. And there have been some missions that did that. Magellan was a mission, was the last NASA mission that went there in the early 1990s, so now almost 30 years ago. But this is much, much, you know, you know how much technology has advanced, you know, way better uh, images are possible now than they were before. So very detailed mapping of the surface. And in particular, one of the things it can do that's pretty cool is in repeated passes over the same part of the surface, it can very precisely measure changes in altitude. So one of the things that they're after here is to try to see to what extent 
something like plate tectonics or possibly active volcanoes um, could be uh, on current Venus. And so even a change of a few millimeters in the height of a given part of the surface would be would be measurable with this mission. You mentioned earlier missions to look at Venus, but as you said, 70s, 80s, early 90s. So this is pretty big news, these two proposed missions here. Why now? Why is there this renewed interest? I know you and I spoke several months ago about that discovery of a certain gas in Venus's atmosphere that turned some people's heads that, hey, that could be mean there's some kind of life. Is there a connection here or were these already in the pipeline and this just kind of added to the spotlight? Yeah, I think a little of both. Um, I think that this gas called phosphine that could be a tracer of life, though there's other ways to in interpret it. I think that has gotten a little more attention to Venus. But the people who proposed these missions, it's not something you turn around and do in six months. It's a huge amount of work to put together these concept studies. And people who are interested in, who, scientists who study Venus have been trying to get NASA interested enough in, again, in Venus for, for years uh, to go back to this. So I think that helps, helped um, shift things a little bit. And the other thing that I think helped, helped shift it, and this is also related to, I think, why this mission is interesting, is the discovery of more and more planets around other stars. So we are finding more and more planets. We now know of thousands of planets around other stars, some uh, that are somewhat like Earth, a lot that are a little bit hotter probably than, than Earth is. And so one connection there is to say, you know, and I think big picture why, why both of these missions are interesting is to try to understand why Venus and Earth, which are so similar in some ways, are so totally different in other ways. So of all the planets in the solar system, Venus is closest in size to the Earth. It's, it's about 90% of Earth's radius. And so it's very, very close to being 95% of Earth's radius, very, very close to being the same size as Earth. Um, it's only a little bit closer to the sun than Earth is. And so on the surface of it, they ought to be pretty similar planets. And yet, Earth is this nice, hospitable planet with liquid water on the surface, and Venus is just this broiling, you know, totally inhospitable place. And so how did that happen? What is it that causes a planet's climate to evolve the way that it does? Um, we think that every planet is built initially from fragments that have water in them. We think the water on Earth came from the rocks and clumps of ice that formed Earth in the first place. And that should have been the case for Venus as well. And so one big question is, um, did Venus ever have oceans on the surface? Um, or was that water kind of vapor right from the start? And so Venus became super hot right from the start, or did it have potentially maybe uh, even up to a few billion years where it was pretty hospitable and then things kind of, um, kind of went awry there. So understanding the past climate on Venus as a way to think about possible evolution of Earth's climate, but also as a way, as we look at planets around other stars, to be able to be a little bit more refined in our judgment of, you know, this planet could be potentially habitable, 
or, you know, what we've learned from Venus is that if, you know, a planet is, you know, that there's an edge there where if you step over that, then the planet is going to become uninhabitable. So, so I think there's a variety of things going on there. We were talking off the air for much of my life. There was not much of discussion about Venus from a space exploration and for the last, I don't know, decade, 20 years, the focus and the talk has been Mars, 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 Mars. Are we seeing a shift in focus from Mars to Venus? Or is this a case where we probably should have been doing similar levels of exploration to Venus and we're catching up? Or is it just, hey, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can continue what we wanted to do with Mars, but also go in this direction with Venus. Right. I think certainly people who have been trying to persuade NASA for years that Venus was interesting would tell you it's about time that we had some missions to Venus. I think the, as we were talking about before, the, the you know evidence for possible life is a possible influence. If you go back to the 90s, actually, there was this Martian meteorite that was viewed at the time as evidence of possible past life on Mars. And that kind of sparked a bunch of the interest in in Mars um, and the, the emphasis on Mars. I do think the pendulum's maybe swinging back. I, I don't think people are gonna stop being interested in Mars, uh, but I think, right, having a balance of looking at a variety of, of different places, you know, I think it's gonna depend to some extent on what the results from these missions are for next steps for whether you know, NASA stays interested in Mars or not, we'll just have to see. But this is a great first step, I think, and I think we'll learn some interesting things. And I think you referenced earlier, these are down the road. I think 2028 to 2030 is the window they're looking at. That's right. And so that's, now, so that's the, assuming well, everything goes as according to plan. Right. So the, the, the approval is for funding for them now to start building all the instruments and building the spacecraft, right, with an eye towards towards launching in the late part of this decade. And so uh, this is a, a kind of science that requires a lot of, you know, some patience and investment in time and a lot of work uh, to, to build this up. So it'll be, we're not going to find out tomorrow or even next year what the results are and just keep working away. Will the, the crafts used be similar to what's been used for Mars and other exploration or would the the atmosphere and what they're trying to to do on Venus require kind of a new design of probe and and craft to get there yeah it's to get there it's not so different to get into to orbit and uh, and to stay in orbit you know that's that's not super different you know the trajectories are different going into the inner solar system versus going out to mars but the but going through the atmosphere and down to the surface that's a very different proposition in the very very heavy and very hot atmosphere you know one of the challenges with mars is you've got less atmosphere so getting things to slow down is harder uh, so you don't crash under the surface that's much less of an issue when you've got a hundred times as much atmosphere as you do on Earth, but the heat and the pressure is a whole different story. And so I think one of the things probably that people will be looking at is this as a little bit of a test of, you know, is it feasible to think about designing instruments that would be able to last longer on the surface? Um, certainly you couldn't take one of the Mars rovers and drop it on the surface of Venus and expect it to work for very long. You need much more robust um, 
electronics and instruments and so on to to deal with that high heat and and high pressure. Um, I don't think we have that yet, uh, though I'm not sure about that. But I think that's something that could that's the next step that you could imagine after these missions. Give me the what would be the biggest win out of these missions. Give me a couple of things that would really excite you as an astronomer, as someone who studies this, if we were able to learn A, B, and C through these missions? So a couple things would be, number one, if we could get good evidence about whether there had been liquid water in the surface, like oceans on the surface in the past. That would be huge to know that there was, you know, we know that that was true. We know there was liquid water on the surface of Mars. Obviously, it's true on Earth. Um, if it was also true on Venus, then that's, you know, three out of three. Those are really the only three options in the solar system where it's feasible. If that was true on past Venus, um, that's super interesting to know that that could happen, both because it just tells us something about the history, but it also means that some kind of trajectory for evolution of life seems more feasible. It was more hospitable early on. And then maybe there's time as it evolves for those, those things to evolve. The other big one, of course, would be confirming this phosphine discovery and ruling out, to the extent that you can, non-biological origins for that. But even if we don't, even, you know, that that would be cool. But I think the sort of, you know, past oceans and what we can say about that, that's the thing that I'm really excited about learning about. Are there any... and. Uh, by definition, this question is probably impossible to answer. But are there any wild card things we could learn? Any almost by accident by spending this, paying this much attention, that might kind of change how we look at Venus or look at similar planets. Or do we have a pretty good idea of the the makeup and what goes into that atmosphere? Stuff like that. Is there any chance for a wild card discovery? I mean, there's always a chance. Like you said, that that question is a little bit, by definition, hard to know. It's like you don't know what you don't know. It's hard to predict those kinds of things. But one of the things I love about astronomy as a field is that there's a lot we don't know. And by asking, but you know, by looking for new data, by sending you know missions out there and making the observations that we can, we get sort of this maybe double bonus. For sure, we learn the things that the experiments were designed to learn, but a lot of times we do indeed find things that we didn't expect to find. And by definition, you don't know what those are going to be, but there have been enough surprises in the time that I've been studying astronomy and well before that to um, keep being hopeful and optimistic and excited about what we might learn from a new mission. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.